Well, I'm really excited. I wasn't excited first thing this morning, I can tell you. But <laughs> I thought, you know, I really do, I don't know if I want to do this. But anyway, I am really excited because God gave me something yesterday. We, on, on Friday, we had our gardener come over. And it sounds very posh. But he comes over twice a year and he prunes our, our fruit trees for us. And he came to prune all our trees with stones in. So he did the plums and the damsons and all of that. And he also pruned our big almond tree, which had gone completely wild, full of almonds, but gone mad. And so he pruned it all, and then Paul cleared it all up yesterday. And there was almonds all over the garden. And I suddenly remembered a scripture that God gave me years ago, before we left our house in London, from Jeremiah 1. And uh, it fits in so beautifully with what's been said today. Can we just move that slightly out of my way? Because in Jeremiah 1, he says, if you will bear with me, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. I am ready to perform my word. And God had given me a promise at that time that we would leave that house. It didn't seem possible, but the promise was there and it was going to be fulfilled for another two years but that was fine because I'd forgotten the promise that he'd given me many years before that we wouldn't leave the house until Paul retired because the house would be our retirement pension. And the very week Paul retired, we'd sold the house, the money went in the bank. So it was like, so everything came together. And so in this box that I have with me today, and I didn't know people were going to talk about promises and promise keeper and promises and promises and the promises of God. And do you know, God gives us so many promises, doesn't he? Amazing promises. Every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Every promise is ours. Every promise. We can claim all the promises of God because he is a loving father. So in this wonderful box I've got here with the ballet shoes on, which might speak to somebody this morning, I think. Pam. <laughs> are almonds in their little green cases their little green cases now when they're ripe they go brown and then the almond is inside that and then you have well, the nuts inside that and then you have to try and get it out which is another feat so I'm going to put this over here because I believe that God has given us specific promises as well as the whole word of God promises that we've been given specific promises that maybe we've forgotten Many, many years ago, we've put them back over there on the back burner and we've forgotten about them. But God is wanting to remind us that he hasn't forgotten and he has got promises for us. Now, in this little nut is a promise. What you do with the promise depends on how the promise transpires in your life. Now, you could wait and eat this little almond or you could plant it and have a tree with more almonds. 
What you do in your life produces what God has given you. You know, he produced and multiplied fish and bread out of just a small amount. So we can produce something if we put it in the right soil. So I'm going to put this over here. And when you feel like you want to come and take one, I don't mind if I'm in the middle of preaching. Please come and take one of these little almonds as a reminder of the promise that God has given you. The promise that God has given you, that you've forgotten about, but is there for you. So I'm going to put it here. I'll put it here on the floor. You have to bend down to get this on it. That's quite significant. The other thing that I was really excited about this morning is what you bought, Gerard. The blessing. The blessing. How wonderful to be blessed by God and by each other. The blessing. We bless because we have been blessed. And we need to remember that bit. We bless because we have been blessed. Okay? When we know that we are blessed, we can bless. We can give away what we've received. Like Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. No cost involved. No cost involved. Freely. Now Jesus makes some amazing statements. And Werner and I had been talking about this the other week, how... Unless we have the Holy Spirit, the word of God is impossible to understand, let alone do. <laughs> you know, it's not just difficult. The, the word of God, Jesus' words are not just difficult. They are impossible without Holy Spirit. But with Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible. We can do all things, like Peter says, because we've been given all things. We can do all things. Whether we do them or not resides in whether we open the nut. <laughs> but we have been given so much. And I know I like to preach really on our identity in Christ, who we are in him, who he is in us, how wonderful it all is, how amazing it is, how great it is to know who you are, to know that you're chosen, you're dearly loved, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a people belonging to God, it's so fantastic. But that's just the door in to this amazing kingdom. And in this amazing kingdom, there are so many other things that we are to be involved in and to do. Freely you have received. Freely give. Now, I was laying on the bed the other day, and God just dropped into my heart 
that wonderful story of the paralegic, paraplegic, when the four friends dropped him through the roof. And Jesus said to him, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And I just felt the Lord say to me, take heart, Susan, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Completely, I have forgiven you. There is no condemnation for you. I love you and I have forgiven you. Now go and forgive others. Just as I have forgiven you. Freely. Freely you have received. Freely forgive. You know, forgiveness is a huge, huge subject. It seems to be a very difficult subject. But in reality it isn't. Because Jesus says that we are to forgive. He makes it very plain and simple. And yet we say, yeah, but it's too hard. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what happened. But Jesus says, yes, but do you know what they did to me? What I have done for you. Freely, you have received my forgiveness. Now you too need to freely forgive. To bless others. It's very easy when they're nice. To bless others when they're your friends, when they're your dearest, closest friends and family, it's easy to bless nice people. It's not a problem to bless nice people. I don't find it very difficult to bless anyone who's really nice. But blessing your enemies, blessing those who curse you, who revile you, who do terrible things to you, Surely not. Well, let's see what Jesus says. Love your enemies, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, that isn't to pray that something horrible will happen to them. That is to pray for their good, for their blessing, for their welfare, not for their bad. You know, there's a scripture that says you pour coals, burning coals on their head. A lot of people think that's a negative thing, but actually in the Old Testament it wasn't negative. It was a very positive thing because people would come underneath a window and somebody would put burning coals on a tray on their, what they were holding up and it would actually light a fire for them. It was a good thing to pour burning coals on top of people. We like to think it's something horrible. I always think of the disciples when they say, we'll call down fire from heaven. (laughs) Burn them up. Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. That's not why we have come. This is not why I've come. I've not come to burn them up. (laughs) I've come to save them. That you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now that's a really big call, isn't it? It's a really big call. And sometimes we think that it's too painful. Because what they did to us is so hard and so horrible 
and so nasty that until I feel better about it, then I can't forgive them. So I shall wait until I feel better, and then I might be able to forgive them. But the Lord says that you have to give before you can receive. So it's only when we give forgiveness that then the feelings of forgiveness are given to us. The ability of God to forgive is there. Now, I've asked my lovely husband, Paul, if I can share this story, and he said, of course you can. <laughs> because quite a few years ago now, we were going off on holiday down to Sutherland Bay, and we're leaving the children with my mum and dad, and so we were having a weekend away, just the two of us. It had been a bit of a stormy relationship anyway, because we had a very stormy relationship, but as we got in the car, Paul said something that set bells ringing in my head. And I thought, that's a strange thing to say. Why did he say that? And so for the whole of the journey, which was like three and a half, four hours long, we went in total silence. While I kept thinking, why did he say that? What did he mean by that? What was that about? So when we got down to Paul, we were going to go across on the ferry from Paul to Studland. And as we got onto the ferry, I turned to Paul and I said to him, so what did you mean by that? That you said three and a half hours ago. <laughs> what do you mean by that? And he said, I have to confess. He'd already spoken to the curate in our church in London and told him. And he thought, he thought like the Catholics, they, keep, they have a secrecy thing. But he said to Paul, you need to tell Susan this. And he said, well, you know, surely, uh, surely not. He said, well, if you don't, I will. So I said to him, so what is it? So he said, I've been having an affair. And it had been going on for quite a long time. Well, I was devastated because I had no idea at all about it. And so it was just so dreadful to hear. And so we got off the ferry in the car and we drove. And I don't know if anybody knows Studland Bay, but it's all sand dunes and National Trust land and it's just so beautiful. And, and I said, pull, you need to pull over. So he pulled over into the side, um, into a little parking space. And I got out and I went and sat in the sand dunes. And I said to the Lord, I don't know what to do. This is just too painful. I don't know what to do. This is far too painful. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Susan, I want you to go back to the car. I want you to put out your hand. I want you to put it on his shoulder. And I want you to tell him you forgive him. And I thought, I don't, know, I don't think I can do that. So God said to me, just go and do it, and I'll do the rest. So in obedience, not because I felt like it, because I really could have twisted the knife in this one. I could have got a lot out of this <laughs> for many, many months. But out of total obedience, my feelings did not enter into this. You must understand this. This wasn't some sort of wonderful feeling that I had, that, oh, um, oh yes, I'll go and forgive him. It, uh, well, he didn't really mean it. It wasn't really his fault. No, I hated his guts by this time. I could have murdered him. I hated him. Why was he doing this to me? But God had told me to do it. So I went back to the car, and I did exactly what God told me to do. And as I reached out my hand and put it on his shoulder, I can honestly, hand on heart, say, Holy Spirit just came and flooded me with forgiveness. As I did that, 
God did that. As I did that, God went whoosh. And forgiveness came from my heart because I did what I needed to do out of obedience and obedience only. But you see, if I hadn't have done that, then I would have carried that. We probably would be divorced by now because I had every right to divorce him then. I'd already been divorced twice. Paul's my third husband. And so it was easy for me to get divorced. It wasn't a difficult thing. I made a covenant with God quite a while beforehand and said no matter what happened in our marriage, terrible as it was at times, that divorce would not be an option on my part. But if Paul wanted to divorce me, then that would be fine. But I would not divorce him. He wouldn't divorce me, but I would not divorce him. So I'd already made that covenant, but it would have been the prime excuse to say, well, you know, adultery is a reason to, to, have, to have a divorce. But God honoured his promise. And I think this is what I really want to get over this morning. doesn't matter what's happened in our lives. doesn't matter what people have done to us. doesn't matter whether it's been a, a divorce, a death, a child on drugs, whatever it is that's happened that's hurt us, that's caused us deep pain. If we don't do the bit that we need to do first, which is forgive from our will, then God can't do his bit by healing our broken hearts, coming into that place where we need to have his love and his acceptance, that we need to know it and experience it, not just read it, and skim over it, but really know that he is for us and with us. You know, it's hard forgiving people, but I think probably one of the hardest things is forgiving yourself sometimes. You know, sometimes we think, we think so badly of ourselves. We've been told that we've not done very much, we've not done well, we've done this, and I think that's why one of the reasons why God said to me that morning, you know, you are forgiven, take heart. You are forgiven. You, you haven't got to try and get my forgiveness. You've already got it. I've already forgiven you. You need to just walk in it. Believe it. But you need to accept yourself. Love yourself. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We can be the ones who can be our own worst enemy. We can decry ourselves. We can put ourselves down. And I think, you know, probably... My heart's very much for women, and that doesn't discount you men at all. But, you know, I think for us women, we're so put down so often. We're always saying we're sorry for something. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry we did this. We're sorry we did that. We're sorry we're alive. We're sorry we even came into a room. We're sorry we stood. We're sorry we sat. We're sorry. We're sorry. You know, it's like we haven't got anything to keep being sorry for unless we've done something really, really bad, but most of the time we just feel like we are bad. And I think it's not because we've done things that are bad often, it's because we feel that we are bad, that we are not worth what Jesus died for. But you know what that is? That is pride. Because that is saying that my thoughts about myself, how I feel about myself, that I'm not worth Jesus dying for, says that I'm better than him because I know better than him 
Because what does he know? He knows nothing. He doesn't know about me. Obviously not, because if he did, he wouldn't have died for me. But you know what? That's pride. We like to think it's humility, but actually it's not. We are putting ourselves above God when we think that we are not worth what he died for. But we are worth what he died for. Otherwise, why did he die? He died to make us his own. We are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen nation. We are a people belonging to God. But that means we live like we are people belonging to God. We don't just do the things that we think we should. You know, we are made in God's image. Let's not make him in ours. Let's not try and mold God into our own thinking and think, well, because I can't do it, it can't be right. No. Just because you can't do it doesn't make it right. What God's word says, every promise of God is yes and amen. So be it. There is no shadow of turning with him. No shadow of turning. And I think we mistake our life with him when we think that we can just mosey along and do what we like. Because ultimately... Yes, God loves us. Yes, he won't abandon us. Yes, he will never leave us or, or forsake us. But you know what? We put ourselves well and truly in the enemy's camp when we do that, when we will not forgive, when we will not let go, when we will not bless, when we will not, in fact, I've got here, to bless is to speak well of, to speak well of. You know, We've had problems in our family. I think everybody here has probably had problems in their family. I don't think many people have had no problems in their family, but we've had problems in our family. And we had lots of problems over Christmas when our son came over from New Zealand, and I, I'm not going to go into all the problems, but we had a lot of problems, and it caused a lot of mayhem between everybody, every member of the family. Now, we've forgiven him. Okay. Uh, well, we thought we'd forgiven him. <laughs> sort of forgiven him and we've gone to the next stage of blessing him and blessing his wife and blessing the situation blessing but then we have a family gathering and we've got other children who haven't quite come to that place who now want to talk about it and they want to rehash it and talk about it and say well this happened and that happened and the other happened and da 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 you know before you know where you are you're back on the old treadmill again of bringing it all back up I'm just so grateful God does not do that to me. <laughs> I'm so glad he doesn't sit up in heaven with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and say, do you remember when she did so-and-so? Oh, yes, that was terrible, wasn't it? I remember that as well. Well, haven't you forgiven her? Oh, yes, I've forgiven her. But do you remember when she said so-and-so and so-and-so? Do you remember that? Yeah, oh, yes, that was dreadful, wasn't it? I'm just so glad God does not do that with me. As he forgives us, so we should forgive. As he forgives us, we forgive our enemies, even our beloved enemies, even those closest to us, our beloved enemies. Do not make excuses for them. Own their sin. Because I'm not saying that it's not sin when people sin against you. Because it is. But we let go of the resentment. We let go of them. We let them off the hook. We let ourselves off the hook. That's the most amazingly wonderful thing. 
It's not just about letting them off the hook. It's about what happens to us when we forgive. Because when we forgive, even the unforgivable, when we forgive, we actually set ourselves free. We set ourselves free. Those chains, Alan, they break when we forgive. Because we set ourselves free. Because we say no to the enemy and yes to God. We let go of resentment. We let go of bitterness. We let go of those things. And we bless those people. Even if it's through gritted teeth, we bless those people. Until God himself makes it real in our hearts. That we bless and love from our hearts those who abuse us, spitefully use us. That's our calling. You know, that's what we have been called to. We haven't been called just to gather here on a Sunday morning and have a nice time. We've been called to a life that means that we have to die. We die when we become Christians so we can live. We don't just get tarted up and made a little bit better. We come to the Lord to die. We died with him in baptism. And then we are raised with him in life, to a new life, his life, in the resurrection power. But if we won't die to ourselves and our own lives and our own ways and our own way of thinking, then we will never ever be resurrected to his powerful life. Yes, he will love us. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we will go to heaven. But I tell you something, we will miss out here on earth all of the amazing blessings, all of the promises. Because I do know one thing, that when you're angry and bitter and upset and resentful, it screws you up. It screws you up. You go to bed thinking about the person. You dream about the person. You wake up in the morning and have bre a breakfast with the person. You go through the day talking about the person. The other person is living their life quite happily, thank you very much. Living away over here, remarried, doing their own thing. Yes, we're all fine over here. And we are living in this prison of unforgiveness, this prison of bitterness, resentment, hurt, and pain, when the Lord says, forgive your enemies so you can be forgiven, so you can know that you are forgiven, so that you know that you are free because you are free. But you will never, ever be free. Believe me, you will never be free until you forgive even the unforgivable. And I think sometimes, as hard as it is the unforgivable, you see it, it's in your face, right up close to you. You know, it's there, isn't it? But those other little things, those niggly things that just get on your nerves, that person just gets on your nerves. Oh, gets on your nerves. Oh, goodness me. I can't stand them. Just get on my nerves. Those people, we need to bless them. See the good in them. Call out the good in them. Not talk about them in prayer meetings. <laughs> in those times when we just want to gossip, but we're just going to add prayer to it. So we're not really gossiping, are we? Because we're really praying. So unless we are genuinely really praying for that person, let's not just rehash what they've done to us. Now Jesus is very clear on this. He said to me a couple of weeks ago, unadulterated 
pure and simple. Unadulterated, pure and simple. That's how you live your life, Susan. Unadulterated, the word unadulterated, pure and simple. Take it at face value. Do not add other people's theological claptrap onto it. Unadulterated, pure, simple, the word of God. His word is our life, Jesus says. My words are spirit and life. It's spirit and they are life to all of those who what? Who believe them, act on them, live them. Yes. They're not spirit and life if you just read them, quote a book and don't do it. They're not spirit and life just because you've got a theological degree. They're not spirit and life just because you've been to Bible college. They're spirit and life because you believe what they say. They're spirit and life because you believe him. You know, I was talking to someone a while ago and saying that one of the problems I think we have in life is that we forget, we know the scriptures so well when we've been Christians for a long time, that they seem when the, when the scripture is read or we read it, it sort of goes like this, washes over us. Oh, yes, I know that one. I know that one. I think there are times in our life when we actually need, well, there's, we always need to do it, not just times in our life, when we actually need to take the word as though Jesus is actually standing there talking to us personally, which he is. That he's actually in the room saying this to me. To take it seriously. Not just as a mental exercise. Not just as something we think is quite interesting. Not something we think, oh, well, that's interesting. That's quite interesting. I think one of the hardest things, that's why I probably didn't really want to get up here this morning. <laughs> one of the hardest things is when you preach, more is expected of you by God. Because you can't preach what you don't live, because that's a hypocrite. So I can't stand up here and preach on forgiveness if I don't do forgiveness. I can't stand up here and preach blessing if I don't bless. There's no point to that. You know, it's, it's, it's not good for me to do that. So I've had to do a lot of stuff these last few weeks with God that has been good. Because, you know, God is on our side. And the things that we think are really hard and the things that we think is like really quite mean about if he only knew how I felt about this. God only knew what you did to me. You know, he'd have pity on me. Well, no, God does know what he did to you, and he's saying, forgive him. <laughs> God does know that, and he has got pity on you, but he hasn't got that sort of pity on you. He's not got the stroking, just the stroking pity. His compassion is strong. I think C.S. Lewis said, God's love is not mere kindness, but compassion. It's strong. He doesn't just, it's not just kind, He's kind with a, it's like a, a strong kindness. Something more stern and splendid, C.S. Lewis says, than mere kindness. Stern and splendid. Because his love for us sets us free. You know, and that's my desire. That's my desire for people. It's my desire for myself. You know, God showed me quite a lot of things about my own sickness 
that I needed to deal with issues in my life, that I'd opened a door to the enemy. You know, if we think we can just pray and ask God to protect us when we're walking in the enemy's camp, we are, we are misunderstanding what scripture is about. If we think we can just say, oh, I'm just going to stand against the enemy, I'm going to resist the enemy. Do you know there's a scripture bit that comes before that? Submit yourselves then unto God, resist the enemy. Submit yourselves then unto God, resist the enemy. Submit yourself unto God, resist the enemy. We like to just resist the enemy and live how we want to live. But you know, if we want to live well, we need to live well in the kingdom and not in the enemy's kingdom. And the enemy loves to get us against one another. He loves it. I know last week I stood up and said about expectations. You know, expectations, yes, we should have high expectations of our walk with the Lord, but we should not have high expectations of how we think someone else should be, how they should dress, how they should talk, how they should look, what house they live in, what car they drive. It's got nothing to do with us. But we have expectations of we want them to do their best and live for God in the best way possible. But you know, God, I don't know how much I can get this over. God has this amazing plan of redemption. It's just so amazing that sometimes we take it for granted that we're saved. But God has an amazing plan in redemption that brings us to abundant life. And I don't know about you, but I want abundant life. It's the enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he will use any means he can. And he will set us against one another. Because in John Bavir's book, The Bait of Satan, he talks about the bait being a fence. So Satan sets a trap. And then he puts the bait in, which is a fence. And how many of us are so easily offended by a word a look. Well, he walked past me and didn't say hello. You know, I, I thought I'd be invited, but I wasn't. Just silly little things. But God wants us to be free. But freedom comes from here. Knowing his word, living his word, believing his word, acting upon his word as hard as it may be at times, as hard as it may be. And I'm not negating the difficulty that some people go through when they've had real big abuse. But I can tell you from personal experience and from experience with other people that I've prayed with and for in the past, that when forgiveness has come, the pain goes. When forgiveness is released, the pain goes. That's the power of the kingdom. There's power in this kingdom. There's power in forgiveness. And I think when we look at it like that, when we look at forgiveness from the attitude of this, that we are doing something really good for ourselves, that we are being really quite selfish in that respect, because that's what God wants for us. But when we are forgiving, loving, blessing, we're not holding on to resentment and bitternesses, trying to get our own back subtly, you know, tit for tat. I know lots of people through my life 
in marriages in particular, and I think we've done it in the past, probably have done, and what we have done, that tit-for-tat thing, you know, he said this, I'll get my own back over there, I'll do that, you know, I'll get, I'll get, get revenge there, well, I won't do that, well, I'll do this, well, I'm not, and he won't, you know, if, well, he said that, well, I'm going to do that. You know, that, that sort of attitude of, of I'm going to get my own back somehow, it's got to go. Believe me, people, it has to go. Because we need, maybe the biggest person we need to bless is our husbands or our wives. I don't know what goes on behind two, four walls. I have no idea what goes on in our marriages. Uh, we lived in, a, a, you know, trench warfare, Paul and, I, Paul and I, for a long time. So, you know, and yet on the outside, it didn't look like we were living in trench warfare, but in the house it did. But, you know, I don't know what goes on in your house. I don't know how you are between each other when you're not here, <laughs> when you're not with your Christian friends, when you're not surrounded by nice people. I don't know what you're like. God knows what you're like, but I don't. He loved you anyway. But what I'm saying is we're not all squeaky clean. You know, we can think that we are. We can all have our, our Sunday morning Christian face on. We can all have an argument in the car, a big fight in the car, like Paul and I had the other week. We had a terrible row in the car, real slammer of a row in the car, and then we come into church. <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And it's like, <laughs> you know, but I was like, okay. But I didn't say that. I came to the front and said, we've just had this terrible row because I was preaching that morning. And he was like, whoa, you know this, here we go. <laughs> what are you going to do with this one, Susan? So... We all can live a double life. That's what I'm saying. So don't misunderstand the power of forgiveness in your relationships with your closest one, your husband or your wife. Don't make excuses for them. Don't say, well, he, he was cruel because, you know, he's had a hard day. He, he'd be, I, you know, years ago I had a friend whose husband used to beat her. They both came to church. They were both wonderful Christians. But he used to beat her. And, uh, uh, you know, she, she did terrible things. So she deserved it. Like, you know, she didn't cook his dinner properly or she didn't iron a shirt properly. So obviously she did deserve being beaten. And she went to the leadership. First of all, she came to me and said, what shall I do? And I said, I advise her to separate from him for a while until he got some help. Anyway, she went to the leadership. <laughs> they, they advised her. Oh, I forgive them. They advised her that if she was a better wife, he wouldn't beat her. So she needed to learn how to be a better wife. So I was, I was speechless because, you know, I, suddenly it was her fault that he should beat her. But she still had to forgive him. Whether she stayed with him or not was not the issue here. Because I think there's, there's times that forgiveness means we forgive, but we separate out. We do not keep putting ourselves into an abusive situation when we don't have to. All right? So forgiveness is from our will, not from our feelings. It's not because we're saying it didn't matter, because it does matter. We're not saying it wasn't sin, because it was sin but we choose to let it go and let God have it. We can bless, but we can bless from a distance. We can bless from a distance. So don't misunderstand me. 
this morning. I really don't want you to misunderstand me this morning because I know that forgiveness is a very tricky subject. But it's so important. Believe me, it is so, so important for your health, for your well-being, for your relationships with each other and with God. It doesn't stop him loving you, but it certainly screws you up when you don't forgive. We have been given everything we need, as Peter says. <clears throat> In Ephesians, Paul says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. It's all through the scriptures. It's like woven all through. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. How much have we been forgiven? An awful lot hinges on that, you know, that one question. How much have I been forgiven? How much have I been forgiven? Why, when God forgives me freely, should I make people pay, like the unmerciful servant? Why, when God has let me off that tremendous debt, should I then make the other person pay for what they have done for me? And that's what we do when we don't forgive. Because if we don't really know that we have been forgiven, maybe we need to get before the Lord and ask him, how much do you forgive me? How much have I been forgiven? You know, Jesus said about the woman caught in the act of adultery, tipping, or the woman who put oil on his hair. She was forgiven much. She loves much. The more you know you've been forgiven, it's not about what you've done, you see. It's not about your deeds. I knew I was a sinner because I sinned. And even though I didn't believe in God, I knew that what I, my lifestyle was not good. So when I became a Christian, I had no problem in knowing that my life was bad, that I was a bad person, but now God has saved me and, and, um, and it's fine. So that's a whole new story. But if we don't think... If we think it's our deeds that have separated us from God, then we think if we haven't done anything really bad, then we don't really need to be forgiven. Because remember my aunt saying that to me, well, I've never done anything really bad. But you see, it's not about whether you've done anything. It's like when you said, Verna, last week at communion, suddenly you felt a separation that, that it's like we're separated from God because of Adam's sin. We haven't got a relationship with God. So that is the sin. The sin is not little sins, but the big sin is that we are separate from God. So when we come to Jesus, suddenly we are now included in God. We are now part of God. We are now accepted by God. It's got nothing to do with whether we committed adultery, whether we committed murder, whether we abused something. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with our relationship with God Almighty. 
So our sin, and everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God, Paul says, is because everybody has sinned, because we've all inherited Adam's sin. So don't think, well, I haven't really done very much to be sorry about. I haven't done much to be forgiven for. It's not about that. It's about accepting what God has done for you and then giving it away freely to others so you can be blessed, to be a blessing. Because you then are blessed and then you are blessed. Because what you receive is what you give. All right? It's a really important thing to remember. What you receive is what you give away. Okay? So what you receive, you give away. If you haven't received anything, you haven't got much to give away. But if you know you're forgiven, then you can forgive. And God will help you and heal your heart and make you live an abundant, healthy, whole, amazing life. So that's it. What you do with it is now entirely up to you. Like the nuts. You can either throw it in the bin, put it in a drawer, you can open it up, you can plant a tree, you can forgive others, you can deal with it. But that's not my responsibility. That's now yours. It's over to you. So you need to just get on and do what you know God is asking you to do. If you've got someone in your life you need to forgive, you need to forgive them. And God will help you. And if you need someone else to help you, because sometimes it's good to have a personal friend or somebody, or, or somebody you don't even know, because you might want to say something you don't want anybody to know, then find somebody. To confess your sins to one another, you may be healed. And that's the other side of the coin here. Because when we hold on to resentment and bitterness and anger, the other side of the coin is we need to repent for our really bad attitudes. Our words we've said, the things we've done, the things we've said about them because they've said things about us. We need to then deal with that issue. Okay? Double-sided coin. What you give, what you receive, is what you give. I just want you to receive every blessing that God can give you. Every blessing that Gerard prayed over us this morning is ours in Christ Jesus. But don't put a barrier there of bitterness, resentment, anger, upset in the way of receiving God's goodness. Okay? That's why it's so, so important. Because there's people out there that need to hear how lovely God is, how good he is. But if we're full of bitterness and anger, what comes out of bitterness and anger? Okay, so there you go. So deal with it or not, it's entirely up to you now.